0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. News Radio 840 WHAS welcomes you to Jim Strader Outdoors, the area's leading authority on hunting and fishing. Jim Strader Outdoors is brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. For the outdoor home of your dreams, call Paul Thomas at 270-524-1980. Gary Roman's Firearm Service Center. Linden Animal Clinic, your pet's best friend. Sportsman's Taxidermy, visit them at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. A.N. Roth Heating and Cooling, a family-owned business with over 100 years experience in the Louisville area wildlife habitat solutions check jim and his team on facebook at wildlife habitat solutions and smi marine getting your boat back on the water in no time to join in on the conversation call us at 571-8484 inside louisville 1-800-444-8484 outside of the metro and pound 840 for Verizon wireless callers. Now, sit back and relax and enjoy the next two hours of Jim Strader Outdoors. We came from the West Virginia coal
1: mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western Stiles i got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. We can skin a buck and run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Good evening everyone, Jim Strader here in the studio first weekend in October and I'm back from a fantastic striper and hybrid striper fishing trip on Tim's Ford Lake, which was a destination that yours truly had never fished before and I was fortunate enough to get hooked up with Jim Durham at Striper Fun Guide Service who hooked me up with Bob Alsop, who is our guest during the first part of the show this evening, and it was just a a great trip. Bob, can you hear me? Okay, Dan, yeah, you're coming in loud and clear. Very good, sir. Well, first off and foremost, I want to thank you for your patience and understanding in helping us catch fish, number one, and showing us the lake. But most importantly for a guy like me who's been around more than a little bit, introducing me to some techniques that are extremely innovative and productive. And I'm hopeful we can pass this information along to our listeners because it is one of the most effective methods for catching stripers and hybrids I've ever seen. And Tim Ford is, I will have to say, having fished it with you a very special little jewel in middle Tennessee, um, They have a very conservative limit on stripers and hybrids. It's two fish a day, but you can do catch and release. So it's a lot of fun. You can take some fish home for the table. But most importantly, those fish are, from what I saw, in excellent condition, very, very fat and numerous, which is is what we all hope for.
2: Well, Jim, I had a great time with you guys. I told my wife when I was leaving to, to go on the trip, I said, you know, these guys know what they're doing. These aren't a couple guys at a bachelor party in Nashville that want to go fishing. So uh, hopefully uh, it worked out pretty good for you.
1: Well, it worked out great. And <laughs> it, it uh, you were fun to be with, obviously, and we hit it off right away Since for folks to get a little insight into Bob and where he came from and what have you. He grew up in Murray, and he fished uh, a lot of the lakes we know, Kentucky Lake, Barkley Lake. Uh, his daddy was a... A guy that loved to fish for catfish, and he's a spider rigging crappie fiend from the past, and kind of Bob. I think it's fair to say you took a lot of the information and knowledge you had about spider rigging for crappie, and it kind of opened up your mind to how that could work for stripers. Isn't that a pretty good assessment?
2: Yeah, you know what? Really, if you think about the old cra- uh, crappie days, you know we started out spider rigging, and, and I grew up fishing blood rigs. Back when that, that all started, and then that developed into what we call pulling for crappie, where you pull the bait behind the boat at a certain speed. Well, what I do now for stripers and hybrids is an adaptation of that technique. Is what it is.
1: Well, it, it's and, so uh, effective because it combs so much water. Um, well, think about
2: think about this time of the year. That, you know the, this time of the year the fish are going to be uh, tied into the schools of the bait. Well, the schools of bait are moving, and so are the fish. You can't stay on top of. Now, there's times of the year down there at the lake that you can get on top of the school and and fish right down in it, but they're moving around too much. So you have to have a technique that covers a lot of area.
1: Absolutely. And basically, you were using some things, obviously, that I've seen before and utilized, but I almost called a adaptation of, of the trolling techniques they use on the Great Lakes, mixed in with some even more innovative stuff that you've developed. And let's start and talk about, I guess, how wide the spread is, and we'll try to describe it to people because it's something that can be duplicated on all of our lakes and be very effective. Well, Jim,
2: basically the way this works, in a minute we'll get back to exactly, you know, what each line is and what it's rolling. But but our whole idea is to try to cover a larger area with multiple baits and to control the depth of baits running at so that – we can hit those schools of fish. And, and you're right. This was adapted from what you see in the Great Lakes. Now, what I have in the front of the boat is a mast. And, and a mast is basically a, a rod or a pole that sticks up that has pulleys at the top, and it has some schools for line. And on those lines on each side, I hook on a Riviera planer board, right? So when you the boats moving about two and a half miles an hour, so as the boat moves, those planer boards pull out, and I basically let about 100 feet of line out on each one, and I think if you went to the back of the boat and you measured from one riviera to the other, it's probably about 100 feet. So if we go down through there, we're covering a swath 100 foot wide. Yes. And yeah. on each of those side rods, uh, planer boards, we'll have three rods, and then we'll have two in the back. So we've got a, a eight-rod spread there when we do use this technique.
1: Well, and the cool thing about it is once you find out the level where the bait or Operating, and then you know where the fish are following them. You're you're almost spoon feeding them. By that, I mean you're just putting the bait right in front of their nose. And yeah, let me
2: tell some of the listeners. It, sometimes this it gets complicated to understand just describing it. Uh, I have a Striper Memories YouTube channel. Uh, if you'll just go to YouTube and search Striper Memories, and that's one word. A lot of vi- There's a lot of videos on there using this technique, and you know, it'll make a whole lot more sense when you see it. You can also go to the Stropper's Memory Facebook page. So if you get confused by some of this technical stuff, you can go back and watch those videos, and you can see this in action. It'll probably make a lot more sense to you.
1: Well, basically what it is, you've got a, a, like you talked about, a mast in the front of the boat that is basically a pole, and then the line runs out to the the, uh, planer boards, and then these other lines are stationed at various places on that line that runs to the planer board. And then, of course, you got the uh, options on the rear of the boat for the uh, uh, downrigger system to put that out as well. And then there's some other things that enter into this system that are really unique, and, and folks will really appreciate it. I'll tell you what, Bob, let's go to break right here so we can really explain this in detail coming back from break, and we'll discuss the actual tools that you use to pull this off and, and go into a little more detail. All right, folks, uh, we're talking with Bob Alsop. He is with Striper Memories. He books through Striper Fun Guide Service. Jim Durham, my buddy, is the one that hooked us up, and, and they can certainly hook you up for this trip as well. You just call them at Striper Fun Guide Service, and they'll get you with Bob. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Gene Snyder. They're finishing up their big... Parents sail on their pontoon boats and express aluminum boats, and they're delighted to help you get your boat ready for fall fishing or for winter, and I promise you they'll do a good job. Remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. This is Jim Dickon for Fishing Guides homepage, fghp.com. All the fishing guides and info you need to plan your next fishing vacation. Fghp.com, the number one resource on Google for finding fishing guides Local regulations, hotels, bait shops in the U.S. and Canada. FGHP.com donates 25% of its income to Freedom Is Not Free, helping families of soldiers wounded in the war on terror. FGHP.com, fishing guides home page. This is Gary Roman. Whenever I'm on Jim's show, I get lots of questions like what shotgun should I buy? What handgun is best for personal protection? Or what is the best scope for my rifle? There's only one sure answer. Come see us at Firearms Service Center, the one place to go to solve all your firearms problems. Purchase guns, ammo, holsters, and supplies. Whether it's your first firearm or your next custom-built gun. Service or repair. Come see us at Firearms Service Center, Bargetown Road, in the Eastland Shopping Center, Louisville, Kentucky, or visit us on the web at firearmservice.com. For personal service, there's only one Firearm Service Center. Hey, welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. We're talking with Bob Alsop, who is a striper and hybrid guide down on Tim's Ford Lake in Middle Tennessee. And Bob, before the break, we were describing uh, the spread that you use on your boat. But one of the things that I found extremely interesting and, quite frankly, a little at first, intimidating for a low-tech redneck like myself <laughs> What's the use of the tadpole or weight that you use to uh, – Folks, this is amazing. This little – I'll call it a weight because that's really what it is. But it's a weight that planes down in the water uh, to a specific depth, which is informational off a <laughs> – app in your phone i bob described this because it's a slick deal and cool thing about it is it's kind of folks like i don't know a, a, a modified sinker in front of a bait where when you reel the fish up it, it stays there and the fish is you can bring it to your rod. i mean you can literally lift the boat and lift the fish in the boat because it's not you know two three hundred feet in front of the lure
2: let me explain this a little bit to the audience. I discovered these, tat, what are called tadpoles, and they're spelled the way they sound. Uh, last year. And uh, you get them from uh, offshore tackle up in Michigan. All right, well, think about what our goal is. Our goal is to present the bait uh, right at the level of the fish or above. I, I think you can actually be five feet of, uh, above the fish, and if they're aggressive, they still hit it. You can't be below the fish because they don't look down. First thing, you know, we're seeing fish on the depth finder, and we got a pretty good idea of what depth we want to be, and I'm normally going to fish a couple of feet above. All right, so now how do we get there? Okay, I'm typically going to pull a half-ounce jig, and I get my jig Captain Jim's hair jig. That's, that, those are the best jigs i found. They've got a really good hook, a tremendous uh, paint on there. So I'm going to use those, and I'm going to tip them typically either with a white, Mr. Twister, or a chartreuse sassy shad, a four-inch of All right, so those are the baits. Now, the question becomes, how do I get those baits at that depth above the fish? Let's say the fish, I'm wanting to, uh, oh, I want those baits to run at 16 or 17 feet deep. All right, here's how the rod's rigged. I've got... uh, I've got 40 pound Power Pro braid on there, and the reason I have that is because it's the same diameter as 10 pound monofilament. Now you'll see why that makes sense in a minute. Then I've got the tadpole, and the tadpole is probably four inches long. They're black. They're an interesting little device. They've got uh, a two position where the line hooks in the front. Uh, if if the line is slipped up to uh, the top of it, it causes it to die. When you pull it forward, it causes it to just like a one-ounce inline sinker. So that's what makes it work. Then, then on that, I have a fluorocarbon leader, typically 30 pounds, the length of the rod, and then my half-ounce uh, Captain Jim's hair jig. Okay, now here's the trick about all this. Now I'm using a line counter reel. All right, so there's an app for your phone. And mine's on the iPhone, and I think the same app's available for Android. And you go in there and you say, I'm using the number one tadpole. The boat's moving at two and a half miles an hour. I want that lure to run 16 feet deep, and it tells me to let out 64 feet of line. And it will be dead on, and that's how we set all this. So now once I identify what that depth is, then I just set all my rock like that, and it works. But those are called tadpoles. And then when a fish gets on there... When it pulls from the back, that slips that front attachment to the front, and it acts just like a one-ounce sinker, Mm -hmm. and it works like a dream. In fact, uh, I don't use the the downriggers in the back very often. I just have them on there in case we mark some really, really deep fish. Typically, I do everything with tadpoles now.
1: Well, and the cool thing about this tadpole, for the average fisherman out there who wants to troll like this is you don't need a downrigger, you really don't need the planer boards necessarily. You can just utilize this technique with a line counter reel of any type, where you can know you're fishing at a predetermined depth, and that's a cool thing in itself. But the neatest thing about it is, then once you hook a fish, you're just fighting that fish like you got a one ounce sinker ahead of that bait. It's 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 a pretty revolutionary little piece of equipment, actually, Bob, in my mind, because I'm used to, you know, planer boards, obviously, are great, but you still got to get the bait down some way to a specified oh, yeah. depth. Uh, I've used Pink Ladies, which is kind of a planer that will take a bait down. I've used the uh, Dipsy Divers and a lot of those things. But this little deal, number one, it's small, so it doesn't really startle or scare fish, uh, necessarily, Number two, it's a very exacting way to fish. (laughs) It's just, uh, well, I'll put it this way, folks. Pictures of what Bill Evans, my fishing partner, and I did fishing with Bob are up on our site here at WHAS. Just go to WHAS.com, go to Jim Strader's page, and you'll see the quality of fish we caught while fishing with Bob using this technique. And, it's Bob, it's just slick, that's all. Well, you know, if you
2: think about that, method of of achieving the correct depth. Now think about how that's set out. Now that cord that runs from the top of the mast out to the Riviera board, all right, it's going behind the boat and it's also angled downward. So I hook a a release. Now a release uh, that we use on those, there's a a wire bracket looks like something you have for a shower curtain, and it has release on it. And so you clip that around that line let your line out, hook it on to the release, and as you let line out that slides down that that uh, cord going out towards the Riviera. So the more line you let out, the closer closer it gets out there to the planter board. And I probably stop at three or four feet from the board. Then I put one closer, and then one closer. So there's there's three of them spread out, and I do that on both sides. And I can tell you, you go through periods of time where every hit you gets on those outside two on both sides, but those those fish know where that boat is.
1: Well, that's <laughs> Some something.
2: it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. And I, I I was very attentive about that, and you could see those differences when we were fishing. And the the another neat thing about this, and it's just a sidebar of of sorts, Bob, but it's worth mentioning, is the species of fish you catch doing this: largemouth, smallmouth, walleye. It's uh, it's just combing a lot of water at the specific depth where those bait fish are holding, and when you or fishing for predator fish of any type, and you're where the bait fish are. Uh, something's going to happen.
2: Yeah, that's exactly. Right. That's why we're catching. If you notice, we catch large mouth and small mouth, and what, right out in the middle, you know, out over really deep water, it's because they're keyed onto those baits. Looks just like the hybrids and stripers are. That's why you run into them.
1: Well, um, and, and and bass are smart enough to follow those hybrids and and key on fluttering bait fish where. The hybrids go through the school, the school feeding and using their gill plates to kill and stun those fish, and those largemouth and smallmouth are down there underneath them scarfing up on the remains, and it's uh, it's quite a melee when those things get to operate like that.
2: You know, Jim, the other thing that's interesting, too, is when you pull that set up through a, through a fish, you get multiple hookups. So you'll get fish on more than one pose a lot of times. And that's really, really exciting. And the boat continues moving at two and a half miles an hour, so the boat keeps them hooked. So you can just uh, you can just keep fighting them and, and uh, turning them loose and fighting them and turning them loose. It, it's really a blast.
1: Well, and one of the nightmares for me about multiple rigs has always been tangles and and you know lines crossing each other, and that can happen with this system. But we had very minimal problems with that because of the way. They're spread and the way you can take the outside rod and lift it over the others and then the fish is directly behind the boat on most of the fight. I mean, I, it was a pretty neat deal to see that you can do this without all that tangling and headaches that you get with a lot of these multiple hook rigs like that.
2: Well, you know, what I found is that, on my boat, there's a deck on the back, and it, once that fish hits, now, because what's going to happen, that fish is going to hit like a freight train. It, you know, they, these are stripers. They hit. Now, Captain Jim says they hit at 40 miles an hour, and I don't doubt it. So that fish hits that lure, and immediately it pops the release, off the release that's out, on the, out to the side on that cord. And so then the fish takes off, and, and basically the further out you go, the further that rod, that lines out there, so I step up on the back of that deck there, and then you can fight the fish. If you hold the rod tip up, unless it's a real big fish, you've got a good chance of, of it clearing those other lines. Now that's not a hundred percent of the time, and we're using braid, so you can, it, sometimes it is a really tangled mess. But you know, I I can get it untangled untangle just to get the fish in the boat.
1: <laughs> well, that's
2: how I look at it.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh it's really a neat technique, Bob uh explain to folks a little bit about the lake your overview of it we got about two minutes here for a break it i found it to be a fantastic fishery with really really nice eight to ten pound hybrids and stripers that are you know we caught stripers in the middle teen uh category but there's bigger fish in there but give folks a little a little oversight from your perspective as a guide down there
2: so, uh, Thamesport is a beautiful lake. It's about an hour and a half south of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the terrain around there is nice, and a lot of the lake is not developed. So, pretty much anywhere you look around, it, uh, the lake that there's not houses the government owns now. So, that, that's going to be protected. And the lake is fairly deep. Down at the dam, it's about 165 feet. The water quality is very, very good. And, you know, it's a deep lake, so you don't have a lot of shallow banks and stuff that you have in some lakes. Stripers have been there a long, long time. Uh, The thing I think is the most exciting about what TWRA has done with that fishery is they've added hybrids. They added hybrid stripers in, and they also stocked alewives. Yes. So we've got a tremendous population of alewives. Those little hybrids, they look like little footballs when you catch them because there's so much food for them to eat.
1: Bob, uh, I've got to go to break here. Tell folks again how to look at your technique on YouTube. Yeah,
2: go to my YouTube channel. It's Striper Memories, and that's one word. It's not Stripper Memories, it's Striper. All right, and then just search for that YouTube channel, or you can go to Facebook, and I have a Striper Memories Facebook page, and you can get to those videos at either one of those places and watch some of those. You'll see a number of different techniques, but some of this will probably make more sense to you when you see it in place.
1: Thanks, Bob. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Rifty. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. We're talking fall fishing tonight. Uh, in the first segment, we were talking to Bob Alsop, who is a striper and hybrid fishing guide down on Tim's Ford Lake in Tennessee. Incidentally, if you want to book a trip with Bob, you can do so through Striper Fun Guide Service, which is easy to find on the net. And uh, Captain Jim will be glad to hook you up with Bob and set out a trip for you. We're going now to one of my favorite folks to talk to about fishing because he knows quite a bit about it. None other than Craig Hipsher, who's a tournament angler, professional angler, and also has a guide service down on Kentucky Lake. He fishes Barkley a lot. Matter of fact, Craig, I hear you're still out on the water as we speak. Yeah, I'm
2: trying to get this spinnerbait
1: round in so I don't get um, on. Hold on a minute. <laughs> All right, I'm good. Very good, sir. Well, I know you've uh, been fishing a lot here the last couple of weeks, Craig. I appreciate you coming on the program with us. I want to talk to you a good bit about what you've been seeing recently. I know you've done extremely well on the tournament circuit here in the last little bit. And I guess let's start and talk about that and what kind of weights are coming in in the, in the weigh-ins and what shape the lake's in. Uh, the lake's fishing
2: pretty good. I mean, it's taken anywhere from 21 to 24 pounds to win every tournament every weekend. Um, I mean, it's a little tough right now, but they dropped the water about two and a half foot in about three days, and the water temperatures fell about 15 degrees this week. That's kind of sold them up a little bit, but, you know, that's to be expected under them kind of conditions.
1: What is the, the current temperatures ranging right now?
2: Uh, right now I got
1: three seven. Okay. In the mornings
2: it'll be about 70. Uh, last week it was 87 in the mornings and it could be as high as 89 to right at 90 in the afternoon.
1: Which is, you and I both know, is pretty, pretty high temperatures for that time or this time of year. Now we're getting to more seasonable type of temperatures. It's going to cause a big shift in behavior, but I think most of that's for the good once it it settles in, of course. Craig, uh, you did real well in a couple of tournaments recently. You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh,
2: I've been, I mean, I've had a pretty good over all year. I really haven't done nothing, but I've been in the top three of everything i fished. You know, uh, last weekend I come in third had 20 points. 39, I think 20.50 was second. 21 even was third. Uh, Just, you know, one bite away. But I've been fishing good, and just how it works in this game. Sometimes it's out of your hand, and you just got to do what you can do, make it work.
1: Absolutely. Now, uh, you're fishing today on Barkley, is that correct? Uh,
2: I was earlier. I'm on Kentucky now.
1: (laughs) Imagine that. What was – what was Berkeley showing you? Let's start with it, and what have you been hearing about it? It's pretty tough, too.
2: Um, I guess it was fishing pretty good about a week ago, but just like over here, you know, all these drastic changes is kind of mess things up. I think what's going on is the water temperature dropped so drastically, so fast that the fish are kind of moving. You know, they've left where they was at, and they're – not made it to where they're going you know they're in between stops and that makes them really hard to catch they're not grouped up one here and one there it'll get better
1: well and it's uh, it's been a good year on several regards overall I'd like to talk about some of the things that you and I discussed primary one of which is the uh, year class of bass that's showing up as a result of that high water we had, uh, last spring and this year, the b- numbers of bass in, in say 11 to 12, 13 inch class are just phenomenal right now.
2: Oh, it's crazy. You, you can go anywhere, the back of the bay, main lake, and you can throw a top bar or something like that. And if you'll watch when you wind it in, there's just schools of, uh, eight inch bass following it. You know, they ain't big enough to hit it. They just swimming behind it. But I mean, there'll be ten or twelve ever cast, follow it to the boat. Man, it's gonna blow wide open next year, I'd say, if them fish grow up. It's just full of them. It's crazy how many of them there is.
1: Well and that that bodes extremely well for for the future of the lake and, and I know you said there's there's fish in that next year class from last year spawned Mixed in there as well. What are you seeing out of that year class?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I've not seen as many as them, which you know they're still pretty little, and uh they don't venture far from nothing, or they'll not last long. <laughs> some weed them down here, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. I'd I'd say we had a good spawn cause we had good water last year, and they didn't mess with the lake much,
1: and.
2: Uh, I don't know. I just think it's going to be great. It's pretty tough right now, but it does that every year, you know, before the fish get to where they're going, you know, and they're in between. It makes them really hard to catch.
1: Now, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the smallmouth because everybody had a concern about the kind of a drop in, in smallmouth catches two, three years ago. Last year was off just a little, but that's picked up as well. You want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, we caught the life out of them this year at night. I mean, the I don't know. Caught some really big ones. I mean, you know, not a bunch, but we caught a couple seven-pounders, six-and-a-half, but we just caught a bunch from 13 to 16 inches. I think they've figured out that they can eat the big-headed fry, and there's so many big-headed fry in here right now, and big-headed carp, that it's scary, but they've started eating them, and, man, it's just making the fish grow like crazy.
1: And you've seen an increase, too, in, in uh, white bass activity. They were kind of off the radar screen a little bit, and a lot of people were concerned about, maybe the spawn or what had happened there, but they're starting to show up again as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I just think it's so
2: much bait. You know, I mean, you come out here on a still day, and for as far as you can see, minnows an inch and a half, two and a half inches long, and I'm sure it's bighead head fry. You know, we were sitting here waiting on you to call, and we just watched the big bus go on about 400 yards from me. There's 200 birds diving in it. I'm sure it was whites and yellows. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm.
1: so well, and that's good news for folks that, that like to fish for all these species of fish, of course. And uh, I
2: haven't messed with them much, uh, because I've been tournament fishing so much. But Brad Weekly, another guy on the lake, he's been limited out every day on yellows and whites. He said it was easy as he's seen it in a long, long time. He said he's getting limited limit every day in two hours. You know, the last day I fished for him. We caught them, we got tired. I mean, it just got boring. You drop a spoon down, hop it up, line a fish in. You know, after about an hour, it kind of got boring. I,
1: I like that kind of boredom, Craig. That, that works for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I ain't complaining. It don't happen like that often. That's a fact.
2: Yeah. Uh, I just think it's we've got just an overpopulation of food, almost too much. I mean, it's just crazy how many minnows there is in this lake right now. And when you catch a fish, it looks like you pumped it up with an air hose. They're just gorging on
1: them. Well, and that in itself may turn out to be a good thing. Craig, I'm, I'm going to go to break right here. If you'll hang on with us, please, we'll get back to you. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Heart Realty. Paul Thomas, the broker at Mossy Oak Properties, has all kinds of outdoor properties for sale, everything from nice little farms, large farms, to wildlife management properties, cabins on lakes and rivers, and they have a tremendous inventory of these. To so look at them, go to M-O-P-H-A-R-T-Realty.com. If your house was on fire, the most precious possession you would save first would undoubtedly be your family pet. Next to family, they're one of the most important parts of our lives, and that's exactly why I trust my pet's health and happiness to Dr. Kurt Oliver and his staff at Linden Animal Clinic. I know firsthand Dr. Oliver's surgical and diagnostic skills are extraordinary, just what you need when your pet's in need. From the time his nurturing staff greets you at the door, you'll know that Linden Animal Clinic is the place to trust with your pets, just like I trust them with mine. Linden Animal Clinic, 1000 Linden Lane, 425-5834, or check them out at lindenanimalclinic.com. I don't know anyone who loves the outdoors who doesn't have a dream property in the back of their mind. It might be a secluded cabin on a river or stream, a small farm with lakes or ponds teeming with fish, or a wildlife management property with mixed timber and farm ground loaded with deer, turkey, and other wildlife. Paul Thomason and his family at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty can make all these dreams come true. They've been doing so for 36 years. Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty is located in Munfordville, right in the heart of central Kentucky's Fish and Wildlife Mecca. They specialize in recreation properties, farms, and lake and riverfront getaways. Make your dreams a reality. Give Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty a call at 270 524 1980 or check them on the web at M O P H A R T That's M O P H A R T Realty.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors where we're talking to Craig Hipscher, who's a professional bass fisherman and all around fishing guide down on Kentucky Lake and Craig uh, before the break there we were talking about the condition of the fish and the amount of bait fish in the lake I want to extend that a little bit because you guide for crappie during a lot of portions of the year let's talk about crappie a little bit and how you think the high waters help them I, I think that high water this spring and last has got to give a push to the number of crappie in the lake certainly Yes, it's pretty good. I I went Tuesday, uh,
2: first time I've been probably since April, maybe. I hadn't fooled with them, though. Me and Mom went Tuesday. We caught 25 or 30, maybe. We caught some little ones. We caught some big ones. We caught all sizes, and that's always good, you know. But the, the bike was pretty good. I was amazed because we caught a lot of them.
1: Were they out uh, deeper, or had they started to move back in the bays yet?
2: Uh, they was about 8 to 10 foot. I caught all of them at the mouth of bays. I didn't go back in a bay. I was fishing stuff at the mouth.
1: Okay. And uh, from what you saw crappie fishing this spring, where do you feel like things are?
2: Well, you know, this spring was kind of horrible. Uh, fishing was really good like the first three weeks of March, and then the fish come up, and they were spawning, and it was just easy, buddy. you take a jig and bobber and just go catch them at will, and then I don't know if it's because they was working on our new bridge or what the deal was, but the core engineers dropped the lake almost three foot. I mean, they got it down below Winter Pool. It was like three five, and, uh, it man, it got tough, and then fish left the banks, and they never did come back.
1: Yeah, I, I know that, that work on that bridge did upset the apple cart a good bit, but I, I feel like they got off a pretty good spawn, at least I hope so. That uh, that period right there was so weird. We've had so on much rain this year, up and down, up and down, and the current draws hadn't been as uh, consistent as we like to see for this time of year either, and that makes it a little bit tough too. Have you fished the south end of the lake much this summer?
2: No, Um, I was down there about a week ago. Uh, There is not no grass down there that I've seen anywhere. I don't know if they killed it. I don't know what happened to it, but the grass went away.
1: Well, that's a shame because that's been a mainstay for fishing opportunity for a lot of folks. What are the guys that fish that into the lake telling you about it?
2: Oh, they're catching them. Uh, Marshall Russell has had a phenomenal tournament year. He lives down there,
0: and uh, that's where
2: he does most of his fishing. And he's been in the top five of about every tournament he's fished, if he hasn't won it. Uh, them guys are kind of liking the grass being gone because they can get back to some stuff that they used to fish that they couldn't, that the grass covered, you know. Uh-huh. had some ditches and stuff like that. And then you'll talk to another guy that liked the grass that, all oh, mad about it so it just kind of depends on who you talk to but they're still catching them down there pretty good
1: i imagine the guys the that like to throw frogs and rats are pulling their hair out because that was a, a mainstay there for a long time for those guys and they were catching some giant fish because those florida strain fishes are down in that area of the lake and without grass
2: triton tournament I think it was, I don't know if it was this year or last year, there was a 12-something weighed in, like three 10-pounders weighed in. I mean,
1: they was catching just giant fish down there. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Now, Craig, the last uh, week or two, what baits have you been using, what techniques are working, and then kind of maybe transition this forward a little bit. But I'm primarily interested in you know, helping folks understand what's been working for you here recently.
2: I The lake's still fishing kind of like a summertime pattern. Uh, jig, worm, crankbait, still fishing ledges, uh, 8 to 10, 12 foot deep. Uh, that should go away pretty quick, I would think, with this water temperature dropping like it is. These fish start moving up. And they should start getting on top waters and spinner baits and stuff like that, but... Uh, Last week, fish were still on like a summertime pattern. You know, they hadn't made much of a move. They were still right where they was in July.
1: Well, that's understandable with those water temperatures as high as they've been.
2: See, that's what I think the problem is right now. You know, they was all laying out there last week in 87-degree water, and now the water's dropped to where it is, and they're going to the fall pattern. They just haven't got there yet. You know, there's a little law, and then just all at once they'll be everywhere you stop. It's, you know, it's like when you go to Florida. You ain't just immediately there. You got to take a trip to get there. <laughs> same same thing, you know.
0: Yep, yep.
2: They're in route, but they ain't made it yet. Bus drivers slow.
0: There
1: you have it. Well, does, uh, in your opinion, when will the bait fish start staging up in the bays? They're probably starting already a little bit, aren't they?
2: They are. Uh, they're not in all of them, but, uh, you know, you can go in one creek and the back end will be absolutely loaded, and then you can go in another creek and not be a one back there. But I think they're on their way, too, you know. It changes every day. I've been fishing every day, and you can go somewhere today and it'd just be dead and then you know you can go in there tomorrow and it'd just be alive It's just like all at once they arrived and fishing's changing every day i mean it's uh it's a crack shoot right now if you just pull up on the right spot you can get right quick yep
1: so, so I, you're I, ma- I don't know what do you expect to be your main go-to baits here in the next week or so
2: uh Within the next week, I'd say all that will be on my deck will probably be a spinnerbait and some kind of topwater bait, usually a spook. Mm -hmm. You know, I I like that spinnerbait around thick brush and treetops and stuff like that. And on open water flats, I throw a lot of topwater.
1: Yeah, that topwater bite that occurs here in the fall is really one of the most special times of year to fish. and A lot of guys put their rods away too early. And to me, October really in a lot of ways is my favorite month to fish. It's The weather's usually more consistent. The bait action is consistent. Spawning activity's not, you know, part of the picture, which tends to, you know, make the fish shuffle and go on and off their feed. They they just got the feed bag on because they know winter's coming.
2: Well, you know, usually as a rule down here everybody jumps the gun and they run down here too quick because what they don't realize is this lake runs south to north so we get all of our water from down south and our water temperature usually ain't good and down it you know i like it to be in the 50s that seems to me like when it hits 50s when everything blows wide open down here and sometimes that can be as late as thanksgiving before it gets there you know and everybody runs down here they think because it's October, it's fall. Well, the fish don't know it's October. They just go by water temperature. The days do get a little shorter, but you know, I don't think our good blowout fall feed usually starts in November.
1: Yes, I, I've yeah. I've been down there like those weeks leading up to Thanksgiving where it was just stupid. I mean, if you if you didn't know anything but to throw a a top water indoor buzz bait and and like you mentioned, a spinner bait or a a lot of times I'll throw a rogue that time of year in shallow water and just really get aggressive with it and fish it. it. It's
2: a wide-open rattle trap bite. I mean, uh, yep. that rattle trap can you know, be awesome.
1: Absolutely. So on in terms of size of the fish, uh, Craig, overall this year, do you feel like the older year classes are holding up pretty well?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Every tournament you fish, there's just umpteen five-pounders caught, and it takes a six- to seven-pounder to be lunker, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's as many there as there was back in the day, you know, that you hear the stories from the old-timers, go out and catch a 105-pounders back in the day, but,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. Well, Craig, we'll we get back better. to you after this break. we got to go to break here, folks, this break. Is presented by SMI Marine. They'll take care of all your marine repairs. And remember, you never get soaked at SMI.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky.